we had this very ambitious plan of making a film yeah first we wanted to make documentaries on people there right it was going to be uh, different kinds of human stories that we pick on the way yeah and uh, to make a documentary and to ask questions the most basic thing that you need to know is the language like <laughs> <laughs> a radio podcast advises safety at all times discourages underage riding but celebrates the spirit of motorcycling and how Episode number 62 from the Biker Radio Broadcast, a podcast celebrating India's heroic riders, legendary mechanics, and iconic builders through stories told by members of the community, one legend at a time. I'm Shandy, and Biker Radio Broadcast just turned three on 19th January. Well, it's been another eventful week with Dakar coming to a close. Trump. Departing, singing, I did it my way, and tractors stepping up on the torque. Now, one of the most popular episodes has been the Rohit Subramaniam episode. That's number fifty-seven and fifty-eight. He is this intrepid traveler who has been traveling around the world on a motorcycle, and his riding partner from their South American trip is with us today. He's a son, a brother. a friend a cinematographer an adventure rider a content creator and a podcast listener shall we say lights camera action for sukesh vishwanath so sukesh vishwanath welcome to the biker radio broadcast welcome to the long way home thank you so much it's my absolute pleasure sukesh <laughs> ब्यूटिफुल प्लेस Yeah, it's a fantastic place. Uh, especially growing up there, it was very, very interesting. You know, it, like uh, when uh, 
Yeah, it's always we've been in the outdoors. Yeah. For us, uh, when you say holiday picnic, we didn't have any malls. Yeah. We didn't have any cafes like. Uh, Which years were these when you were growing up? Like from ninety two onwards. Ninety two onwards. Okay. All right. And till about when I was in class ten or something, the biggest breakthrough happened of this new cafe popping up into town, and that was. Uh, cafe coffee day <laughs> so so until then we didn't have any of these things so pretty much our lives were in the outdoors yeah. and it was fun and we we had barely had about two theaters and mm. that was like our uh, once in a while outing but otherwise it was mostly cycling playing cricket uh, you know going to the jungle and wow. going for treks and the landscape was stunning and we could just cycle anywhere i don't think the landscape was stunning for you uh, I think the landscape is stunning for us. You know, you grew up there. I, I think. How can I, it be I, stunning? The rest of India might be shitty for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this whole thing of the landscape being stunning also happened after I moved to Chennai, went, lived in Bombay, came back. Uh-huh. I barely used to take picture, like landscape pictures of Uti before. Right. As much as I do now when I go yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was in college. Uh, this is well before your time. Uh, I finished college in 91. Mm-hmm. So I was there 89 or 90. I was there in Uti. Uh, and I'm, an, I'm a hotelier. So I had to go and write a project on where you're going to set up your hotel and why you're setting it up. And you have to do a little bit of research and all that. There's the Good Shepherd School there. Went That's and right. did went and did the research on the how they run their hostel how how you know the entire hospitality part of it works over there and then the whole idea was to do a, a resort somewhere so it was very easy you know uti look anywhere it is like i want that hill this hill that hill every anywhere is good enough but then we uh, took a bus ride and went to a place at that point in time which no one had heard of or most of the locals only knew about it, it was masina gudi you know mudumalai yes <laughs> and uh, and then cut to the chase many years later get to know that that place which we had seen which was a literally a small village in the middle of you know it was like a finger like palm like projection into the wildlife sanctuary and there was nothing inside it just ordinary uh, local people living there and nondescript And the place got completely overrun by hotels, like, you know, resorts and all that came up over there. I've never been there. This is all in the last, I think, uh, 10 years or so, so much of development has happened. Yeah. And uh, going back, like, since you were talking about Guchapur, like, uh, we lived very close to Guchapur. Really? And my mom was working in the administration in Guchapur. Oh. So, (laughs) yeah. And I think when you were there, I think it was also that uh, Guchapur was... It was an old palace that was converted mm. into a school. Now they have a school which looks like a palace. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's like quite a few things. I mean, so. it's straight out of Harry Potter's, yeah. you know. Yeah. I think the end, all of Uti is like straight out of Harry Potter's sets, you know. It feels like that. It used to be like that. Uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, Yeah, it co-ops. used to be, I suppose. It, uh, but even till 10 years back, it was uh, a quaint little town. It was very nice to live in. And there was a lot of nice things. Now, with the whole verge of this small little guest houses popping up mm. and homestays popping up, mm. they when they saw some quick money coming through that kind right. of avenue. Real estate. And 
everybody like literally like it wasn't like a, a sustainable ecosystem that they developed where okay you're building a hotel let me build a cafe let me make something else let me just even if it's like opening up parking spaces it would have been nice but like yeah. every single person just opened up this homestays in every little pocket of land that was there and it's just crowded and it's become quite a mess right now but it takes just about 10 minutes for you to leave the city so mm. you can always just disappear into the wild and have your own quiet time right true and masinagudi again uh, it's one of my favorite places because from uti to masinagudi you can take the 32 happen bends via the yeah. kalati ghat uh. which is incredible uh. and as kids uh, this was uh, say when we were in school 11 uh. 12 uh, i think I was still not 18 so I didn't have like a proper license. license. So yeah, I proper had, license. Proper license. Oh. So because uh, <laughs> I had what was then uh, for 16 you used to get a license. Okay, a provisional license. The, uh, it was below 50 cc. Okay. So or for 50 cc. Right. And uh, in the hills nobody used to have 50 cc motorcycles. Right. So we had to like literally ask a guy to bring like a TVS 50 mm. from Metopalem from the plains. up to uti just yeah. for me to get this license <laughs> and send it back and this was this looked exactly like the original license except right. that on, with a pen they've written a below 50 cc in the back uh-huh so we used to use that license and uh, dad was very strict when yeah. it came to uh doing anything illegal so right. this to him was very illegal and yes. he comes from an academic background okay and uh, so the first thing it was his ego that would be hurt because if i get caught with the cops and he has to deal with it the cops going to ask like how's your son doing this why is he doing this why right. are you allowing it okay so what does dad do uh, my dad was in the education field he was the academic coordinator he was a mathematics professor <laughs> and so <laughs> so coming from that sort of background right, he was very strict yes. like, and so strict to an, and so meticulous mm. to an extent where if he parks the bike he will park it in the exact same place for 365 days with the cover on it and the bike will be spanking clean so wow. if i have to sneak the bike out i have to mark those places right take the bike out go for a spin down to masnaguri <laughs> in this happen winds come yeah. back and park it exactly the same way <laughs> even then two days later he'll come back and he'll be like looks like you've taken the bike out <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm kicked <laughs> in <laughs> yeah i was like how how is this happening oh my god yeah. Awesome. So my initial days of motorcycling started off with us racing down that thirty-two happen bends with really? friends, like little fools back in the day. But fortunately, we at least used to wear helmets. Right. But uh, apart from that, nothing. Just a leather jacket, a helmet, and take the bike, race down thirty-two <laughs> happen bends, and come back up. Now looking back, we look. It looks so stupid, but yeah, it's great yeah. memories. <laughs> Hi this is Sukesh Vishnath and you're listening to the Biker Radio broadcast. Biker Radio broadcast because some journeys take you inwards. Last week has been catastrophic with three fatalities 
that stunned the biking community. One was 52-year-old Pierre Chopin at the Dakar 2021. Closer home, we had two shocking fatalities. Terminal illness took away the affable Sanjeev Arora, a zinda dil of Delhi. Dadu was the most unassuming spirit who brought all kinds of people together. He touched people's lives. And his silent solidarity had schooled many in the art of giving. His spirit lives on in each of us and through his wife and son, who have adopted us as family. We miss you, Dadu. But the other shocking news was that of King Richard, whose tragic end underscored the fact that despite the best protection, we must remember that danger lurks everywhere, even in the middle of the road safety week. I got his news from Sukesh himself. Welcome back on the Biker Radio Broadcast. With me on the long way home, this week we have cinematographer and Makara studio founder Sukesh Vishwanath, who knew the hugely accomplished King Richard pretty closely. Hi, this is Sukesh Vishwanath and you're on the long way home. There's this gentleman named uh, King Richard who uh, has, is a well-traveled uh, overlanding motorcyclist. He's traveled to South America, he had traveled to London he, and he, he generally rides a Triumph Tiger. Mm-hmm. And that bike has done over 2 lakh kilometers and mm-hmm. recently he's also part of the, our group. So he said he's going to rest his bike and mm. make it into a museum piece and mm. leave it behind. And he just upgraded to a BMW. Mm. And uh, even yesterday I saw posts of him from Gujarat. Unfortunately, mm. this morning, uh, for somebody who's traveled the lengths and breadths of the world, mm. coming back here and at 5.45 a.m., he was riding you know, somewhere close to Jaisalmir. Mm. And there was a camel that crossed the road and he was thrown off. He had hit the camel mm. and thrown off the bike, landed on his head and snapped his neck. Mm. And uh, with my knowledge of uh, his pictures and whatever I've seen of him, he was wearing the top quality equipment, whether he's wearing German helmets and the best gear. Mm. It's just absolute bad luck. He's been quite an inspiration for so many riders. Mm. We lost him this morning. We lost him. Quite sad and unfortunate. Like you can go anywhere in the world and do like an entire world tour and come back but there is something about riding in india where it i think it's one of the most challenging places to ride oh yeah uh, with you never know what happens when you need to have that 360 degree vision and uh, you're always 100 percent. it's almost like riding i would say in a rally stage of sorts yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know the amount of attention and concentration one requires to yeah. just normally commute in our country. Yeah, just to get there. It's just to get from A to B is a huge task. You, you know. never know what happens when, and uh, we do uh, have to be responsible and careful of how we handle, especially when we're riding big machines. Um, but there's only a finite number of things that one can be prepared for. Absolutely. And the more you think about these things, also the less fun you're going to have on the road. So it's like a cat on the wall. You need to figure the right balance. Yeah. We asked uh, Ashish Rao Rani. We asked him about uh, safety third. And he's the safety officer on a ship. Yes. Okay. So he said that, you know, be safe 
is actually an oxymoron as far as motorcycling is concerned because you're on riding the edge of traction you know if you're safe you're not really living it out that's right that's absolutely perfect you saw what he's been doing right i don't absolutely know following him <laughs> i mean sure we knew have. that he would throw caution to the wind and he'd just get back something told me that this is just don't speak about it yeah. because this guy's going to do it yeah. and he did it yeah that's him he, he went there and even after having such a bad crash yeah and uh, him having multiple ct scans and had, had to get medical clearance it, it's been two stages that he's completed after coming back into the experience category and he's been giving the best of his performance and he's <laughs> been like uh, i think the, the whole dakar anybody who rides in dakar they're like cut they uh, got to be nuts to breed. do this yeah. you got to completely nuts and i think he definitely is plenty nuts <laughs> absolutely hi i'm uh, vijay parmar and you're listening to the biker radio broadcast Right, so Dakar 2021 proved to be a shocker. You know, Argentinian Kevin Benavides rode his Honda CRF 450 Rally Factory bike to overall victory, and teammate Ricky Brabeck was not very happy because he came in second, and together they brought a double victory to Team Honda. So congratulations for that. Sam Sunderland managed a third position with this Dakar upsetting almost all the expected results. Matthias Wagner, who Ashish lent a hand to, finished tenth, and the only Indian to finish the rally was Harid Noah, with an overall twentieth position. Now Ashish and CS unfortunately crashed out, but kudos to Hero Motorsports with Wahim Rodriguez finishing eleventh and Sebastian Buller coming in at fourteenth. Well, CS is still battling it out in the hospital, and we wish him all the very best. And actually, have a little news to share. of his riding track the big rock dirt park outside bangalore now samrat som is getting his hands dirty at the grease house garage at indy motard learning how to take apart and put together motorcycles well he's someone who is generous with his time he at least answers my phone calls he told me about the indy motard initiative the off road schools level 1 track day on 7th november so listen in so basically anand and prashi run indy motard Mm. For last fifteen years, they run a garage called Grease House, mm. and they run tours and they run track schools once a quarter, mm. either at Madras Motor Racing Track or at Kari Speedway in Coimbatore, mm. where Anand and a couple of other instructors teach people yeah. how to go faster, smoother on a motorcycle. It's a tight sort of school, fifteen to twenty people, which means four to five students per instructor. This is a good one with Indy Motor and Big Rock coming together. Mm. Uh, it's starting seventh of July, twelve thousand five hundred, almost five six hours of riding and classroom. Mm. Uh, so there will be theory, uh, and then we will practice drills mm. to execute those theories. There is an easy and healthy breakfast as you come in in the morning. Then registration, then twenty uh, mm. minutes classroom, twenty minutes riding. So six to eight drills that we'll do. Mm. Then after lunch. It's one and a half two hours open session where people are welcome to go out on the track on their own and find how it is going. The instructors are always going to be there. That's level one. There are limited bikes available at Big Rock itself. There is limited gear also available at Big Rock for rental. All of that at extra cost. Yeah. But yeah, if you bring in your own motorcycle, that's also that's also great. This will cover vision, body positioning, 
throttle control, braking, and cornering. So, the off-road school is kicking off at the Big Rock Dirt Park outside Bangalore in association with Indy Motard on the 7th of February 2021. This is a level 1 course, so if you've always wanted to know how to ride on dirt, you would want to book your seat ASAP. Of course, it is a BYOB, but if you don't have a bike and are like me, you can get one for a fee. Remember to register early. <laughs> Thanks, Samrat. Well, Prashant, Anand, gentlemen, I'm looking forward to meeting you folks, hopefully soon. Time now to get back on the road with cinematographer Sukesh Vishwanath on the long way home where we feature the heroic riders, legendary mechanics and iconic builders on the Biker Radio Broadcast. I'm Shandy. Hi, this is Sukesh Vishwanath, 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 and you're on the long way home, long way home, long way home, long way home. You know, I was in this interview with Rohit, and he has this moment of absolute glee on his face, and some kind of justice boils through when he comes and he throws his business card on the table of his faculty member. You know, who somebody had kind of ticked him off saying that if you don't do the internship, then you will not get your degree. And he went and he started a company and he came back and he throws the business card of I am the CEO. And because you are from the movie making background, I'm asking you this question. Is there a sense of social injustice that is there, which is time and again seem to be the winning formula in South Indian movies. It seems to be, at least to me, you're an insider. This is uh, quite an interesting question for sure. Like uh, social injustice of sorts, I think it prevails everywhere. It prevails everywhere, even in the North, of yeah. course. It prevails <laughs> everywhere. It's, so it's not like very specific to the South or anything. Of no, that but it sort. Is definitely comes through in the movies. It does come through in the movies. And uh, I don't know if it is borrowed from the people to the movies or it's gone from the movies to the people. Ah, that's that's a good one. So that is something that I'm not very sure about. But yeah. uh, I have generally also seen this with people. They're really sweet people in general. Yes. But they're also quite, uh, they do have that sense of pride and ego right. to a, a certain extent. Right. When, once you rub that, then that becomes, uh, it takes a whole different turmoil there. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is what has been shown time and again in movies, and which is also what you see in different parts of South India. And, uh, and again, South India is a very broad. Yeah, yeah. It could be unfair to call it. It's as unfair to call it in the Northeast yeah. as it is to call South India, yeah. right? For South Indians, anything above Andhra is North India. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, <laughs> True. So, so the it is vice versa for again for any North Indian. Like for them, anything below Bombay is yeah. South India. Yeah. So uh, and it's very varied. Like whether if you see uh, Andhra, it's a whole different sect. Whether if and even see, within Andhra, I suppose there would be various uh, yeah classifications. Andhra also you have. Andhra, again, when you see movies, it's in this similar form. Right. Where it's al always about social justice. And yes. then the hero coming up, beating yes. up 10 people. And yeah. then he stands up for the people. Right. And that sort of stuff. But again, if you move uh, 
Tamil Nadu and all of them again when it comes to movies they're also making some very nice artsy films yes. and uh, human emotion right. films especially in the Malayalam industry yes the Malayalam industry the films now are very progressive s- very progressive incredible you don't have they don't stick to the typical formula of uh, so many dance sequences so many fight sequences yes. so many comedy it is pure storytelling yes so i think things are changing quite a bit right and it is not one set formula that's been winning right it, it probably it was the case back in the day but not uh, necessarily anymore so uh, again coming back to social justice no actually let's change the question it's it's uh, probably not the right uh, question because that is true for i suppose the whole country Definitely. Right. Yeah. I think uh, the good question is: Are they feeding off each other? Yeah, I think uh, they are definitely feeding off each other. And uh, like I've seen, like when when there is definitely a Rajnikant film. Yes. You have these huge cutouts with uh, people pu- putting milk. They're doing pujas. They're right. like all of this that's happening. Right. Which is all definitely feeding off from the. star cast that's been happening there and yeah. uh, you'll see a lot of people actually reacting like if you meet quite a few auto drivers yeah. they all want to be rajnikanth apart and, from and that uh, the rajnikanth phenomenon because that is uh, a unique phenomenon mm-hmm. right in general i think uh, uh, do you feel that in general this is this has happened or is happening to less happen now it's definitely happening less now because mm. people's uh, awareness is a lot more mm. you have the internet you have a lot more avenues to have a broader world view i oh, would yeah. say and uh, like uh, whether you come from a small town big town the world view now is become much broader uh, with uh, thanks to the internet and uh, some amount of social media as well but uh, it is before it used to be predominantly movies now you have other avenues so things are uh, becoming less and less dilute of this feeding uh, of each other but before it definitely used to be the case and like it was what was happening in the society was shown in the movies and what was shown in the movies is eventually is coming big, back yeah. to people and people reacting feeding like, of each other yes. kind of a thing yeah yeah but one thing i noticed was you know um, and this goes way before uh, to the 80s uh, in the 80s one of the things that happened um, among all the bad movie making that was happening in india was south indian movies yeah it was technically so much more superior okay uh, can't Which use more superior but superior definitely yeah. uh, beautiful you know whether it's the music whether it's anything it was shot with professionalism which i still uh, think is the case yes. like um, like uh, my personal experience i would tell you is that generally as a south indian you come into the industry to bombay mm. you don't get treated the same way right there, there is a certain um, thing like oh he's uh, coming from the south like it's not going to be uh, he's not going to be very professional he's not going to be the same way as on the uh, contrary you are on the contrary but yeah. at the same time the minute you sit behind the camera yeah. the the whole perspective changes right because all of the guys who've come in all cinematographers who come in from the south to bombay right 
they've all become legends yes they've been so good yes so the minute they see like a south indian guy behind the camera right. their whole perspective changes right. now they uh, even though i'm pretty new i would call in this industry right and uh, much younger to all of whatever they've done right and the minute you sit behind the camera they have this perspective maybe this guy is going to be really good we're sailing so, that's <laughs> yeah so it's just that the image that people have created in the past is now helping uh, people like us now well that's a good thing but yeah. you're talking of image there's one question i have about image is that you know we talk about that feeding of each other thing this imagery this iconography this this is something which is huge and and a and a dividend if you want to say of films and stories is this glorification of the protagonist and maybe sometimes uh, you know the villain also but by and large there is this huge imagery that goes and people want to be that right this is uh, do you think it's a, a large part of it uh, like for example do you think rohit's story uh, is kind of fueled by that that image of who um i am i think it is a very it comes back to the absolute foundation of like yeah. a human emotion right correct like uh, everybody wants to be a winner yes and yeah. in some form or the other yeah you know like uh, i want to be this i want to be that and yeah. the the minute you get to that position yeah. that's the only time you feel the freedom ah and, and uh, say for example uh like jim carrey says you know i wish everybody had the money so they know that that's not all about it right but till you get there you're always going to be fighting and like trying to reach that stage right. where, whatever it is whether it be uh, riding around the world whether it be to become a superstar whether it be to be the best corporate person everybody wants that and this is like a absolute basic human foundation and once that emotion gets triggered in storytelling people are going to connect in some way or the other and uh, that's that's what most storytellers want to do right it's like they they want to uh make people feel like it's like wow but does storytelling always need a hero again hero is subjective yeah true the story could itself be the hero yeah the story could be the hero and if we talk in that language then yes we we definitely need a hero and the hero also becomes a hero only when there's a problem mm. so it's the in and yang that needs to keep playing in it for it to be interesting so if it's like a straight up winner if is like i went there i did this and i i became big so the storyteller when he becomes a story seller is would you call that a problem would you call that entrepreneurship i would call it entrepreneurship yeah <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a story seller equally as much as a storyteller hollywood yes. is hollywood because they are very big story sellers more than storytellers i would say you think so for sure like mm. their, their marketing they've, is the they've best. sold hollywood to the world right yes absolutely Hi this is Mike Keshwar and you're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. Hi this is Sukesh Vishwanath 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 and you're on the long way home. Your story is absolutely unique, right? 
I mean, so where does motorcycling start for you? Well, uh, so uh, as a kid, we, uh, for me, uh, it was cricket. Was yeah. Like I was playing cricket for most parts of my life. Right. Like professionally from playing oh, for really? under 13 districts, under 16 districts, oh. like uh, playing for combined districts, captaining and all of that. So that was a major part of my life. And uh, weekends was all, always with friends going out cycling. And eventually cycling became motorcycling. Oh. And uh, it was always that. But and I was also very, very fascinated when it comes to automotive uh, mm. content. Mm. So every time my granddad used to give me like some pocket money mm. and uh, automotive magazines at that point was quite expensive. Like overdrive and autocar was available in the, in mm. the country and they used to have like amazing posters in between. Mm. So once you save up that much money, then we used to go and pick up automotive magazines mm. and just go through. And that's where the whole craze of automobiles started. Mm. And uh, been riding motorcycles since the time I got my license and probably a little before. So you basically started off by stealing dad's motorcycle. Yes, like most <laughs> kids in India. <laughs> uh, what was mom like? Uh, mom is also quite strict. I would okay. say so. It's not like, and uh, they always work together. Right. So it's not like uh, if uh, you you get caught with dad, you can go and hide yourself. Absolutely not. We're in can, India, right? Yeah, you you can't do that. Like yeah. it's like either you're getting it from both of them or like you 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 saved for the day. But uh, they were quite supportive. I would say like uh, whatever I was doing, uh, they kind of reached a point uh, where. They said, okay, now we know whatever we do, you're going to take the motorcycle out mm. and just go on your own. Mm. At least tell us where you're going, when you're going. Right. And then they said, okay, just do it. You're the only child, I suppose. No. I'm an elder brother. Okay. My brother's name is Vignesh. Okay. Which also... So two boys. Two boys. Oh my God. <laughs> Hands full. Hands full. But at the same time, uh, my brother was there sometimes to help me out with things. Like also, steal the bike? No, not not steal the bike. The problem is also that he was the good kid at home. Oh. <laughs> so, so, uh, oh so you're the bandar? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So um, he used to be the school topper and he used to always follow things and keep things properly and yeah. all of that. <laughs> and I was the absolute opposite. Oh, and uh, so uh, he got, he was also quite interested in uh, motorsports, mm. but not as much as me, I would suppose at that time, he was mm. more of a techie. Right. But uh, he went on to do his motorsports from Oxford. Okay. And then he was working on a couple of Formula One teams and like getting things done in the pit crew and all of that. Uh -huh. And then he moved on to Apple. Okay. And he was working with Apple for quite some time, got mm. back into his techie thing. And now he's working for an aerospace company in Germany. Okay. So hopefully by next year, I think they're going to be launching, uh, they're, they're going to have their first launch of the first satellite. Wow. Yeah. So the elder brother kind of set the standards. Yes. <laughs> and the younger one's job is to break them. Break the standards, but now I think they've, uh, we've gone into two uh, tangential paths. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I think now I'm, I'm just, so it's not, if you follow that path, then you have a bar. <laughs> so, so you go completely in the opposite route so you don't have any don't have bar. A bar. It's like, let, let me set my own bar. Hi, this is Shivrat Singh and you're listening to the Biker Radio Broadcast. 
Hi, this is Sukesh Vishwanath, 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 and you're on the long way home. I'm so happy that uh, you've chosen to come down today. And uh, you, what are you doing in Delhi, man? Right now, uh, we're doing. Uh, I'm shooting for a web series. Okay. Can't reveal too much about it, but it right. is for Netflix. Okay. And we're doing a crime drama. Okay. Uh, it's a real life documentary. Right. But I would call it docudrama. Right. Primarily documentary of sorts. And yeah. We've been shooting for the last uh, 20 days or so. Right. And we have next uh, four days left in Bombay. Yeah. And fortunately, we finished yesterday and had one day break. So I thought I'll come and meet you. Thank you so much. So your job is to capture the story. I'm the cinematographer. Yes. So uh, we had two cinematographers on this particular show. Mm. And I'm running the second unit. Mm. We kind of have like a script because it's a documentary. It is not scripted, but we ha- have the entire structure in place and we just need to capture the essence of the story. And because it's documentary, unfortunately, it's not like uh, the Western crime dro- uh, documentary that we see where they have so much of uh, archival footage. Mm. Here we don't have that system where uh, we have video recordings of the interrogation and things like that. Mm. All the cool things that we see of that tape running, yeah. all of that, we don't get it in India. So yeah. we just need to kind of figure out those metaphors and show it visually. Right. And yeah, that was the job and uh, I absolutely love it. Yes, I'm sure because yeah. it's an extremely creative process. It, does this go back in the sense, where does filmmaking start? And did you choose to do this or did you? are you the accidental photographer, cameraman? Uh, somebody gave you a camera and you ran around with it. What What is your story? So it, was, uh, it started off quite interesting because uh, I used to take the cycle and just get lost into okay. the wilderness. Okay. Just, uh, just ride the cycle uh, into the... Tiger reserves and stuff. <laughs> Where, wherever, like, it was uh, not, you were not allowed to be there. And right. you had elephants and tigers, but I used to just sneak my way into it. Right, Mowgli. And, yeah, just uh, stay somewhere there and then come back and tell stories that I saw leopards, I saw tigers, <laughs> and come back with torn shirts and bleeding all over the place and saying that I got chased by an elephant. <laughs> and, you know, you know, and... Uh, Seriously? Yeah, I was like very close to... It was a pretty close call of me being chased by an elephant once. Okay. And uh, when I come back and tell these kind of stories, people never used to believe. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay. And I had like a small point and shoot camera. So I should okay. go take some pictures. And then started borrowing a camera from a friend which had a much better zoom lens. Uh-huh. So that's how photography started. Okay. And uh, after being spending so much time in the wild, then I wanted to get into wildlife photography. Mm. Unfortunately, I couldn't afford big lenses to become like a bird photographer or shoot big mammals and tigers. So I started photographing reptiles. Mm. So snakes and lizards and mm-hmm. whatever was possible and, uh, and started shooting macro photography, insects okay. and all of that. Yeah. So that's where photography started off right and once i joined college i was doing my visual communication oh you had decided that you yeah, weren't good i was pretty clear that this is exactly what i wanted to do wow the only unfortunate thing that happened was i got about 97 percent in uh, accounts oh that's so unfortunate it's yeah. very unfortunate uh-huh. because my parents wanted me to become a chartered accountant immediately okay and 97 was isn't wasn't good enough is it yeah, it, it wasn't good enough yeah, so right. i was like why did I get 97? Now I have to become a chartered accountant. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Okay. Then I was like, let me do visual communication. And obviously... So you were well invested. Uh, 
had a little bit of convincing to do but uh, okay. they were quite supportive they were like if you're uh, i just had to like you were saying i had to sell this to my parents okay so every time i do something very unique yeah it it is like a full pitch meeting right when my parents are sitting my brothers there my brother generally he plays uh. Uh, he supports and gives that extra insight but mm. otherwise i have to go and say why i'm doing how i'm doing show the entire picture right. play it in front of them and they want to know that i am very clear with what i want to do and if that happens then they're like okay go ahead and do wow. it wow awesome that's how it happened and i joined uh, second year of college i joined mr sarvan kumar from chennai mm-hmm. he, uh, he was a wildlife cinematographer he was shooting the biggest of the big wildlife films at that point of time yeah and uh, i started interning with him mm. it was supposed to be a one month internship mm. but uh, i refused to leave so <laughs> so we just ended up staying there and he was like that's so nice we ended up with uh, there were three interns yeah and uh, we all just stayed there wow uh, the first project that you, you just on. loved his work or you just loved him or what he was uh, why were the three of you just stuck there he was an incredible mentor all right um like most of my learning which i have today is something that i've learned from him all right so it used to be like a proper classroom session which used to happen and we used to get trained to use the kind of gear which we've never been exposed to before and the first project that i was assisting was a project called secrets of wild india okay which is narrated by sir david adenbero and uh, then the next project was like 21st century cats uh for bbc wow so these kind of projects you got exposure directly but uh, like we used to get like few days where we used to go and meet him and uh, some projects i'm really glad that some of his assistants forgot something like a a screw of a tripod or something like that hmm. and I, i'll be like okay whether it's 2 a.m i'll be like yeah yeah sure i'll bring it for you and just take it go there and just plonk ourselves there and not leave just be there hang <laughs> to watch and observe and learn wow and uh wanted to become a wildlife still photographer okay. but that's when he he kind of uh, moved us into the video stream okay. where he said wildlife still photography is great but it's not like a very sensible career option yes. so mm-hmm. you need to kind of move into the video game for you to uh, get better so yes. that's how cinematography happened hi this is harshwan rai, 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 rai. and you're listening to the bikeo radio broadcast Hey, welcome back on the Biker Radio Broadcast, which just turned three. <laughs> well, if you're new to the show, I must tell you that this is a show of the biker, for the biker, and hosted by me, Shandy. And I am clearly <laughs> not a biker. Well, the show, though, has listeners uh, from all around the world, and I seem to meet more people these days, increasingly, who've heard about it. So, that's not too bad either. It certainly is India's first podcast to win an international award and has also been featured on the BBC World Service Radio in a documentary. Well, the show is pretty long and the fact that you're still listening to us means that either you like what you're hearing or your kidnappers are trying their best to break your silence. Don't give in yet. <laughs> you know what? We now have clocked over 12 billion seconds in listens around the world. not too bad considering that the average attention span of people using smart devices to any content is just 12 seconds these days the same as that of a goldfish <laughs> yeah man 
So, Sukesh's story inspired us to tweak our next segment a little bit. Now, Binil Varghese is taking a break and Vikram Dhawan helped me reach out to Mrityun Joy Singh from the riding community who deals with cameras and drones and we invited him to be our soundboard this week on what riders need to keep in mind before they set out to make vlogs. All yours, Joy. You are listening to the Biker Radio Soundboard. 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 Hi, Soundboard. I am Mrityun Joy Singh, Aka Joy. I'm a business professional and a superbike freak and I'll be your soundboard today on the Biker Radio broadcast. Today we are talking about what it takes to make a good motor vlog. On an average, in a month you'll find 5000 and more motor vloggers coming up. Motor vlogging is a combination of motorbike riding in a video format that's posted on a dedicated YT channel. This video contains a recorded footage of shots from an action camera mounted on a helmet, motorcycle or a combination of both and accompanied narration. If you're looking to start motor vlogging, you are in the right place. Five easy steps on how to start a motor vlog. First, you need to have a plan. Anyone can go out and start producing video. A good video should be able to tell a story. Second is content for a high quality motor vlog. Start by brainstorming ideas. Create a set of bullets what should happen in the video. Be creative and a purpose in mind for each video. Let your viewers know why they should keep watching and then deliver on the promise. Also, be sure to ask for feedback from your viewers and subscribers. Third is motor vlogging setup. Your camera should be easy to mount on bike or helmet. And for narration, you'll require a good microphone so that there isn't any wind blast or wind noise. An ideal field of view should be broad enough to capture the peripheral views on both sides and not just what is in front of you fourth write and create your content so generally you want to come up with a plan for your content ahead of time don't just get on your bike and start riding you'll need to plan what techniques you want to showcase what scenery you want to check out and what aspects of your bike you want to highlight you can begin with an explanation to your audience or you can let the content speak for itself it's okay if everything doesn't go perfectly that's what the next step is last edit your vlogs so here's where you all need a little technical expertise most motorcycle vlogs aren't just a raw footage the best vlogs go through an editing process editing not only cuts out boring parts and mistakes but it also enables content creators to add music create some video effects and change the order of scenes always shoot a video in 4k and 60 fps it all takes a lot of practice and consistency Take the time to practice by doing a lot of different video work so that you get to the point it becomes second nature. Do your research and get advice from accomplished vloggers on how to make great vlogs. That's it from me, Joy of Two Wheels. I'll be back with another edition of the Biker Radio Soundboard and we'll be talking about the technical aspects of the camera for motor vlogging. Listen, connect, ride on. You are listening to the Biker Radio Soundboard. Thanks Mrithun Joy, aka Joy. will certainly give you more time next time instead of pulling you out of bed which we did but thank you so much and we really appreciate all right now i'm on the road again yeah and with me is sukesh vishwanath and as i found out there is a man who's absolutely not scared to be thrown into the deep end hi this is sukesh vishwanath and you're on the long way home during college a friend of mine is from andamans mm. and he kept 
uh, inviting me to come to his place. Okay. And when I went there, he said you should try to scuba dive. I was like, uh, how? I don't know how to swim. How can I scuba dive? Yeah. And he said you don't need to know how to swim. to just do like a discover dive what they call it is which is a tandem dive where the instructor takes you down yeah and i went down and i was like this is so incredibly amazing so you didn't know how space. to swim and you went into yeah. the sea yeah i i mean the sea isn't it terrifying uh, not at all no. like i thought it's going to be terrifying mm. and but the minute i just put my head under water it was that day was pretty clear and uh, incredibly clear waters Right. the um, the number of fish life and coming from the wildlife photography background where we are just walking for days together looking for a particular snake or whatever you just go in here it's so exciting it's like mm. there's so much that's happening but what about your breath uh, we have had the scuba apparatus oh you had aqua lungs wow and you have like a basic 15 minute course where they teach you some basics of how to breathe underwater clearing your mask and things like that and that opened up a whole different world so i came back to chennai and for about 6 months i was swimming every day i registered with a swimming pool close by every day morning 6 o'clock i used to go swim 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 wow. the day i did 400 meters which is like a minimum requirement to become a dive master okay i called them up and said i want to start my diving course and i'm doing all the way till dive master mm. they were like Do you just want to do one course at a time and figure out? Are you sure about going all the way to dive master? I was like, yeah, yeah. If I'm flying into Andamans again, I'm going all the way to become a dive master. So finished my dive master, came back again to filming. One year of no diving, and the next year I went to Bali, finished my instructor, mm. then came back, and uh, I had no clue of why I was doing all of this. It was just uh, things that. interested me and i was passionate about are you are you somebody who who who's got no problem being thrown into the deep end of things uh l- looking back now i think i'm one of those so like to be put in Literally. those situation and uh, just see things and i'll be like wow this is cool like i would like to do something like this and just go on to that yeah, path and do discover. that and eventually i think now looking back all of the dots of Are starting to connect mm. now. Uh, we've done quite a few films and uh, feature films, and like uh, I worked on uh, movie ninety six okay. with Vijay Sethupathi. Then uh, we worked on couple of stuff for Rapta. Okay. So I was assisting Sumair Verma. So with him, we did quite a few fe- feature films. Mm. Uh, Rapta ninety six, then Thiri, mm-hmm. another Vijay's film. then couple of malayalam movies couple of bollywood movies so mm-hmm. all of the underwater work so it was not just uh being a dive instructor it also now got into underwater filming right so it it all slowly falls into place right. and motorcycling also started off randomly somewhere then ended up on a trip with rohit yeah so this South America th- th- let's put this rasam together okay yeah when does motorcycling stop becoming let's steal dad's bike and get to the next stage when does that happen that happened uh, so i uh, we had my, one of my brother's friend mm-hmm. he was uh, at that time one of these influencers in between mm-hmm. the friends right mm-hmm. who used to come and talk about things who had some knowledge on motorcycles and yes, stuff yes yes so he wanted to buy a uh, royal enfield okay 
and Royal Enfield is not the same as it was now. That yeah. time it was a cult where like only a few enthusiasts used to ride Royal Enfields. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to buy a Royal Enfield. So he explained and convinced things to me. And I went looking for bikes with him. Okay. And uh, So you participated in this voodoo thing. In, in Into buying right. his motorcycle, right? Right. So we went, so we started understanding more and... Uh, had to learn to ride uh, right side shifting gears right and it was a complete opposite mechanical system so Correct. we had to understand the whole system and uh, learn to ride right so learn to ride that we were just doing this whole experiment and uh, finally we ended up in this garage and it was a completely rusted bike half buried in sand okay he connected one liter of petrol to that bike and kick started it it started in the first kick wow and everything that lied behind the bike was thrown off by the compression of this. And this was Ooh. a 1964 Enfield. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. And we picked it up for 12,000 rupees. We bought that bike. And Which year is this? This was in 2010. Okay. So we picked up that bike. Then he started doing restoration, painting. And every day was like a new uh, challenge. So we'll, we'll be like, he'll call me and he'll be like, let's go buff the bike. Okay. And we'll go and buff the bike and uh, we'll see made in England carved Ooh. on the wheels. And everything was original and intact. Then we kind of decided on what paint we have to use. And we got uh, British Racing Green painted on that bike. So it was a whole journey and got so much more fascinated yeah. about Enfields. Yeah. And then I picked up another uh, Machismo 500, which is, again, a limited edition motorcycle from Enfield. Started touring on that. So, so and you used this, uh, this voodoo child, you used uh, for what? I mean... Uh, he still has that bike. But, so, it uh, was his? It was his bike, but uh, I used to ride that bike, take it out. Uh, he bought the bike. Okay. And then, eventually, even the Machismo 500, which I bought, he helped me buy that bike. Right. I bought the 500cc. Mm. And when I sold it, he bought that bike back from me. Oh. And he's got a whole collection of these bikes. Okay, so we're talking garage. about a bike enthusiast yeah. like how? Yes. What's his name? He, his name is Narin. He's okay. a submariner. Oh. Can and you run, uh, Narin, can you run uh, Biker Radio broadcast on the sonar, please? <laughs> Probably he can. <laughs> So uh, he was quite an interesting guy and uh, this is how motorcycling got deeper. Oh. And uh, once I got the Enfield, then there was no stopping. I just kept riding on and on. I had the bike for about five years and did Goa and multiple different places. Right. Wanted to do Ladakh, unfortunately, couldn't on the bike. Okay. Why so, was that? For some reason, for it, some reason. it just didn't happen. And but that's I, happened. I still haven't... You haven't done it on the motorcycle. Done Ladakh on the motorcycle. Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. At least there's something to do. Because you have done South America. Yes. (laughs) Right. How did that happen? Of course, I know it was uh, Rohit and you. You're okay with Mad Men? Mad Men? Yeah. I think I am okay. If I travel with Rohit, he's the Mad Men for sure. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, he's like... uh, uh, But yeah, it it is... My South America trip was definitely an accident. Yeah. So... it just happened by chance yeah. and a kind of chance that I don't even know how to put that puzzle together. Let's say that he went. sold you the story. He definitely did sell me the story. Yes, I know that. So, so, uh, and you so, fell for it. I fell for it. I think and I'm glad that I fell for it wow. today. It, it was uh, one of a, one hell of a ride for sure. What made you go there? 
I hadn't met Rohit, not like my chatty buddy where right. I knew him for a very long time. Right, some guy at the coffee shop. Yeah, so we, uh, I was shooting uh, for Castrol. Right. And uh, we, we were shooting four different riders and Rohit was one of the riders there. Mm. And uh, I met him, we were just having a chat, like just a curious normal person. I was like, how do you do this? How do you go about this riding motorcycles and having a career? How, how are you living life and things like that? I don't know Rohit personally, mm. so I'm like, can you tell me more about it? And I was just sitting and listening to his stories. And uh, he, I don't know what interested him, what... Uh, there was a Uti connection. Uti, yeah. not not real connection. No, but then you spoke the same language. Yeah, we, spoke, yeah, we spoke the same language for yeah. sure. Yeah. And we were just there and a uh, couple of months later, I met him one more time because we had some patch shoot of some back shots of the oil and... This was for Castrol, right? Right. So we were shooting that. And two months later, he just calls me saying, I'm planning to do a trip to South America and uh, would you like to join? Call him, huh? <laughs> He's like, Macha, I'm thinking of doing this South America trip. And uh, I've always had this thing. I've read the motorcycle diaries. Yeah. And in the motorcycle diaries, it was always two guys. Two guys. So let's do this. Yes. I was just laughing. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> like, are you serious? Like, what are you even talking about? Like, yeah. just, just ride to South America. Yeah. He's like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I I just said yes yeah. for the hell of it, thinking it's never going to happen anyways. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, uh, sometime later, again, he called me and I was still working a proper full-time job yeah. as a creative producer in Bombay. And I just quit my job. Right. And he asked. You were at the vibe at that time, yes. right? Yeah. I was working uh, with the vibe, mm. and which was going really well. And we were kind of building the company and all of that. So right. it was going very well, and we were working about 20 hours a day. Yeah. It was tough, but it was going in the right direction. Tell me about it. And then I quit my job, and I was wondering, I was in between jobs, and I was figuring out life at that point. And yes. then. He calls me again saying, we are getting sponsor from here, 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 yeah, yeah, let's yeah. go. <laughs> I was like, wow, this sounds exciting, let's go. <laughs> and uh, my brother was getting married at that time and we were in Chennai. Okay. He's like, let's go and get a US visa. Mm. I was like, what documents do we need? And we're figuring out all of that. And he had some documents from Castrol mm. and he had spoken to Castrol. And Castrol said, uh, use the same document for him as well. Mm. So we just got the same document done in <laughs> two names. Yeah. Just took it to the U.S. Embassy and uh, somehow... That came through. That came through. Wow. We got the U.S. visa and then three months passed. We're still there. Yeah. And by this time, we've told the world that we're, we're going to be it. riding in South America. Yeah. We don't know what to do now. People huh? are asking. And I was like, I've started getting calls yeah. for different shoots. So I called Rohit and asked, uh, what's happening? Are we going? Otherwise, I'll pick up more work. Yeah. He's like, yeah, we're going, uh, I'll book the tickets tomorrow, let's leave day after. Yeah. I was like... Seriously? Literally, this is how it happened, right? Yeah. I was like, you must be kidding me. He was. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, he was like, no, no, I'm actually booking the ticket. Yeah. So I was like, can you send me the ticket so I'll know that this is for real. And he sent me the ticket. Two days later, we have to leave to New York. So I took, I was in Chennai that time. So I took like a cab, it was the carpool kind of a mm. thing. So I took one of those cabs and reached Bangalore. Mm. 
and this guy people friends are coming to meet him all of that stuff is happening i'm chilling with him in, in the house and next day morning uh, he goes out somewhere comes back at 4 am we have to leave at 7 and uh, he comes back i thought he's going to pack because i didn't see any bags or anything so i thought probably he has to pack and then i call him 4 o'clock he comes takes a tiny little bag like smaller mm. than any day backpack that we carry yeah he carries that he's like macha pola yeah. like go wet like what is what is this yeah. and it was minus 13 degrees in new york yeah He's like that's it let's go and half of which was like huda bars right some stickers yeah and i don't know a passport and i don't know what else was there in that bag and that's all he carried i thought this guy is going to come with me to the airport drop me off and leave <laughs> he's not probably not going to come and he flew we flew to new york and things just you weren't happening. you didn't believe him one bit right i did not like absolutely i did not wow. believe and then we ended up in new york i don't know where we were going to stay mm. then he he said we're going to stay in this friend's place yeah. uh named suresh yeah who's a, an incredible gentleman okay so uh, we met him there we stayed in his house for about a month we were trying to figure out sponsors and this was during thanksgiving christmas and all of that wow so uh, minus 13 it, it's in it, it's very pretty and beautiful yeah but no work was happening because <laughs> nobody was there in the office yeah, yeah. and anybody we reply to you'll get like a auto reply saying yeah. we'll be back on the phone again yeah. nothing was happening so we picked up some camera equipment bought new camera equipment cool. in uh, new york mm. and he said let's not waste time in new york let's fly to colombia mm. i'm like what about the money he's like we'll figure something <laughs> and we fly to colombia we land in the night and then th- things just things just fell in place like uh, most people listening to our stories might not even believe that this could be possible right because uh on the first night mm rohit goes out somewhere just chilling mm. and comes back at 4 o'clock he loses his credit card oh so his card was gone mm and uh cut to about 20 days later we bought a motorcycle mm we bought both our motorcycles one motorcycle he picked up from we were looking for a couple of the second hand motorcycles we picked up one mm. and the second uh, motorcycle which i was riding adi yeah adi was riding the bike in yes. colombia he did the entire trip he came back mm. and uh, he his bikes i can completely trust when i knew that adi's bike was for sale yes i know that i don't have to think twice right. i can just buy it right. if So I I picked up that motorcycle. Yeah. And we just gone to the ATM, picked up some cash, came back. What happened? I don't know. We were too excited with the bikes. Mm. I left my card in the machine. Oh my god. So that was also gone. So uh, all we had and the money I also didn't really save up for this trip. Mm. Because we thought sponsors were coming and all of that and mm. it's been about 4 months since I quit my job. Oh yes. So so there's not too much left in my bank account except for like a clean credit card. which in case something fails i can buy a return ticket and fly back mm. that 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 is all we had and uh, now we're on the bikes and mm. this was our home mm. on wheels mm. and we just left with music playing and just <laughs> just wandered into the wild yeah uh, not knowing uh, what tomorrow is going to be wow you know so no cards uh we no we had like two other cards yeah but uh, out of four cards we had only two okay and uh, other two also it's not like it had you much money you couldn't max it yeah <laughs> no it is not like we had much money left right. in that anyways right 
and uh, we just left and uh, day by day like we, we were like scraping through right so we started uh, from living in small motels we started staying in tents yeah. and then from three meals a day it moved to two yeah. and sometimes to one yeah. and we used to share yeah and it just kept going on and on like that but you you stuck it out were you sure of what you were doing or were there moments where you said man this is getting wilder and wilder yeah like uh, we had this very ambitious plan of making a film yeah on this whole thing right so uh, uh, we started to film the ho- whole thing yes. and first we wanted to make docu- documentaries on people there right it was going to be uh, different kinds of human stories that we pick on the way yeah and uh, to make a documentary and to ask questions the most basic thing that you need to know is the language <laughs> which we had no clue like i did not know a word in spanish nor did uh, rohit yeah and at least for us indians yes even if you don't know the language we try to understand the context yes. because here we speak and we hear multiple different languages yes for a country like south america where they only speak spanish even the word in a slightly different accent they would, would not be able something. to understand mm. Uh, to give you an example, like Rohit wanted to get the Nestle Milo, the chocolate right. drink. So he's like, "Can I get a glass of Milo?" Mm. And they would be like, "No, no, no." And they'd see these two bearded guys. They'll be like, "Okay, get out from here! What's happening?" <laughs> okay, Th- this is what happening. And then we point at that. We're uh. like, "We want that." They were like, "Oh, Milo!" <laughs> you know, it's it's like that. So language was a major barrier. So this ah. was not happening. Yeah. and but we struck out and mm. first week or so they said uh, please don't take the cameras out don't wear uh, an expensive watch like right. you can't be flaunting around your phones and stuff this is in colombia in colombia in bogota this is in bogota right they said if you walk around with your phones or like headphones if you look fancy and if you walk you're around you're going to get mugged 100% yeah. and don't carry cameras and everything so you didn't have to do much you, you so already we, had beards yeah so we just left the cameras in the hostel and we just walked <laughs> walked pretty basic just yeah. walking around the city observing how things are and after about 3 4 days then we picked up the camera and the very first day we started filming like we got okay. like we found a story and we said okay let's go and there was a graffiti story we went for like right. a walking tour we met this guy and fortunately he spoke english and graffiti again was like illegal with the new mayor there correct so uh, uh, just going out with the graffiti guys there are chances that you can get shot right but we said okay we're here to do this anyways so we asked them can you go and do some graffiti and we'll film the whole thing we were literally with them for like two days and walking around whatever they were doing we were doing and we were just hanging out there mm. and sometimes there'll be cops they'll set us up they'll be like stay here if the cops ask then this is what you say we are going to disappear if the cops come mm. and all of that so we're setting it up then they they go and actually do the graffiti change their clothes and run away somewhere and then we again meet up and it was uh, quite interesting so we st- that felt like we struck gold mm. and this was on like the first week so mm. we got even more confident saying like in the first week okay. we've got a story we're going to make like 1000 more stories yes. like let's go right and then slowly things got the very more next day we found another story of this man who was stabbed in the back and mm. he plays chess right and chess is very close to rohit right rohit also plays really good chess right so we saw like some street players playing chess in the street and rohit wanted to play 
and i was just hanging around and we were just looking and there was this man with uh, wearing bright red mm. coming in his motorized wheelchair mm. and he came and he sits there and everybody respected him and he was playing chess so mm. we for sure knew that he had a story mm. and uh, that's when we also started to realize that we don't need necessarily need to know the language to tell the story mm. because most people who have stories kind of wear that story on them mm. so just by observing people mm. you could know that probably this guy has a story mm. and uh, that was pretty much on point like every time we went and saw people like that we would be like and go and talk to them they had a story to tell mm. and uh, but unfortunately the first day we spoke to him and uh, in english mm. and trying to talk to him and he just had this broad smile <laughs> which means he did not understand one A bit word of probably was saying <laughs> so then again we met that's when you friend. hit the wall yeah we were like okay now this is not going to happen it's not going to happen but in the evening we were having a beer in a bar mm. and the guy who owned that uh, resto bar seemed uh, had like a bmw gs mm. so we just saw that bike and just spoke to him and then he became friends and he was chilling with us mm. he came in as a translator okay he said i'll talk to him yeah and so we had a translator so oh, we wonderful. said okay let's go and film this so we shot his interview and it just kept going on and on and uh, slowly when we entered ecuador i remember that i also know that this money thing is not happening right but i don't want to keep talking about it to rohit because i know he's trying his best right so we kind of had this understanding that was happening right and he also did not want it to become more prominent to me that this is not happening right so we just kept it to ourselves right and uh, one day i could see him little frustrated <laughs> which is a very rare thing yeah <laughs> because even with zero balance in his account there's nothing that will change in his life correct he's that kind of a person which is incredible to see like yeah. uh, none of these things anything materialistic doesn't matter to him at all like yeah. you can very clearly see as a person right and uh, that was a huge learning for me as well and for especially for somebody who has uh, who runs in a multiple redundancy system yeah and then you meet somebody like rohit and you're traveling with him yeah. where it's the complete opposite yeah it's like uh, leave redundancy the basics are not <laughs> yeah. in place and uh, but it, it was very interesting to see how he goes about things and one day he comes to me and he's like macha we're done mm. uh we have two options mm. castrol money might come mm. in probably like two months or so mm. but we can't just wait here for two months mm. but i can take a small little loan mm. and borrow some money mm. provided you can stick along mm. because my plan was to go with him for three months mm. make some stories go from uh, bogota mm. do the entire colombia ecuador mm. peru and enter bolivia mm. do the salt flats and i exit mm. that was the plan mm. in three months it was already three months and we had not even crossed ecuador mm. with all of this happening he said right. either we sell the bikes and fly back mm. and we just tell the world that we were in, we got injured or whatever mm. and we'll go back mm. or i'll take this little loan and then uh, provided you stick you're ready to stick for a couple of more months and we continue mm. and i said sure let's let's do this let's do this we're right here all the way yeah whatever we have we don't have Wonderful. let's do this 
and then we continued <laughs> and that point our kind of our relationship also changed wow uh, uh then we it was more understanding uh, i think till there was a problem like uh, our ways of traveling was completely different mm. like we were two absolutely contrasting people right so whether it comes to the way you're riding the motorcycle i like to ride really fast mm. and be very technical mm. and he likes to just sing some nice tamil music and mm. just <laughs> come very slow and take it easy and uh, i like i like things to be quite organized and i want to charge my equipment every day yes. i want to put things in place and right. pack my bike in perfectly balanced way none of these things matter to him <laughs> <laughs> so we were very contrasting people right. and our the ways of traveling was very different yeah and now we kind of started to uh, come together right we've we've uh, when this problem struck yeah we kind of said okay now let's do it together yeah <laughs> till that it was still a little bit of like a uh, his way my way his way my way right. and now it became our way yeah and that happened and then it was incredible yeah that's awesome <laughs> so did you make the movie finally uh so we shot about 300 hours of content wow and uh, which again was not like planned scripted content right, right? obviously so we just shot some random bunch of stuff yeah. and we've come back and the 300 hours has been filtered down to about 3 hours yeah wow but we've uh, now have to make it to about 90 minutes okay the last set of things were happening then i got this whole Shoot netflix pro- project so i've come into this rohit is supervising some stuff so we're hopefully going to see that. it very soon 2021 we are also hoping yeah. because uh, we were supposed to uh, release this about 6 months back mm. and uh, which was almost ready mm. then we had a whole different perspective and right. our take take on the whole story has changed quite a bit right because just watching it over and over again we said look this could change this is what it is it's also a story about the two of you yeah. right so that's what it's become right like it's just not about the ride and what we saw and stuff right it is this yeah, whole thing exactly. which which makes it more interesting of this two absolutely this is the obvious story yeah. so so now we we are obviously changing the entire awesome. uh, Uh, screenplay right so and we also probably might have to shoot some interviews right so we're just waiting on that mm-hmm. and uh, right now we're not in, in a hurry to just do it and release it mm. i think we just need to sit put together and uh, see it for ourselves first and see if it makes it into our head mm. then it's open for people to watch so let it happen let it take its course yeah yeah sure Hi, this is Santosh Vijay Kumar, and you're listening to the Bike Radio Broadcast. Hi, this is Sukesh Vishwanath, and you're on the long way home. What is the kind of equipment you were carrying there? You were you had drones and you had all that stuff. You would. Yeah, so uh, we wanted to keep it uh, light, but uh, again, uh, we also had the ambition to sell it to like a OTT platform and stuff. So mm. we needed. some amount of gear uh, and we couldn't shoot the entire thing just on uh, gopros so mm. we had a panasonic gh5 which mm. is a micro four third small camera okay we were carrying about three lenses and okay. we also had one drone kit okay 
so we could put the drone on auto auto follow mm. and then the two of oh, us wow. can ride so and it would follow oh man i want some of those photographs so some of those that, footage that was quite uh, interesting and uh, camera again because uh, everything here was like a makeshift setup and we were riding through like 300 kilometers of mountain passes and mm. 90% of our trip was off road riding mm. uh, so uh, in between we had couple of damaged lenses we had oh. broken a lens things had come apart we fixed it for couple of times by ourselves then we had to send it for service get it back again mm. and all of this was happening mm. on the ride so we were just it was a constant battle right But electricity this, also i mean charging electricity was a problem uh, some parts would just rain mm. rain is like nothing like we've seen in our lives before it would mm. pour like for like 10 days straight mm. and sometimes when we were in peru uh, in the morning we are in the desert mm. and by evening 4 4:30 we're in about 5000 meters with snow cap mountains oh my god and we're doing that pretty much every single day and up and down up and down and the things are changing terrains yes. are changing temperatures are temperatures are changing and we would know because we were riding a small 250 cc engine we could feel that we've reached 3000 meters <laughs> when the bike starts to struggle <laughs> yeah. so we see the bike and then check the altitude and it be yeah, 3000 no, sure meters we be like okay let's probably uh, hang in here for a day to acclimatize yeah. before we move out so we used to stay somewhere close by and mm. uh, some days were like the coldest we faced was about minus 30 degrees oh my god it was uh, and uh, that day we had planned to uh, camp outside mm. and with some very basic tent Mm. and for sure we would have frozen to death that night mm. if we had camped so we were riding and started to hail mm. and one of the greatest things that i saw uh, I, we couldn't capture it obviously but uh, it, i starkly remember is water gushing and flowing in front of me and before it reached me it just froze oh my god so it was like a time lapse it happened right in front of my eyes right and it just froze and uh, we were riding in ice we just go to this base camp of sorts it was like a dorm mm. and i think it he was charging us about 20 dollars no. and uh, 20 at that time was a lot, of, like money, a lot of money yeah so he said we'll give it to you for 10 we said we don't have 10 dollars and then mm. eventually did like 10 dollars for the two of us mm. then we said okay. okay he's like please don't stay outside please mm. stay inside you're going to die mm. and then we ended up staying inside and then we walk out the end entire hill is just snowed down right and we couldn't leave the next day because there was snow till about our knee mm. and we had to wait down till evening for the snow to clear mm. and then we rode out this is peru this is in peru wow the biker radio broadcast listen connect ride on The Peruvian Andes is the Himalayas of South America. Well, not quite because you won't get Rajma Chawal there. But we'll take a foodie break here. Well, our podcasts are getting so long we might as well sell a popcorn break to Act 2. By the way, why on earth do they call it Act 2? It doesn't sound too foodie, you know. Act 2. Now Niharika spells her name with a double A. Probably because she is the foodie that she is. 
and Anamika Joseph, my new found angel, connected me to Niharika, who's been doing an art residency for a friend up in their mountains. How cool is that? Well, right now, how cold is that? <laughs> to find out, let's welcome our latest ice maiden, Niharika, aka Ricky, on my way. The Biker Radio Broadcast Road Report, this time from the Jalori Pass. How cold is that? My way. Hi, this is Niharika reporting for Biker Radio Roadcast. I'm currently riding in Himachal and I'm living here from last one year. I am from Mumbai. I came riding from Mumbai to Himachal and I've been living in Beer from last 11 months. Uh, currently, I am at Jalori Pass top where I can see an amazing 360 view. It's a nice sunny day. The roads were a little uh, snow clad, so they were repairing it. I am at uh, 10,823 feet above the sea level, NH305. It's around 10 degrees Celsius. The road is a little snow clad, so be careful while riding around. Though it, didn't, it did not snow this much, usually the pass is shut at this time of the year, but I'm lucky the roads and pass are pretty good because there's no heavy rainfall or snowfall in the nearby areas in Himachal, which is strange. It's amazing view and I'm with a fellow rider, Yatin, who rides the Interceptor. I ride the X-Pulse 200. I would really like to greet all my fellow riders from Mumbai, the X-Pulse group, X-Pulse owners group from Mumbai. I'm in having an amazing time in Himachal. I'm heading towards uh, Shimla from Jibbi. So it's been an amazing ride and it's a lovely afternoon with sunny 360 view of the mountains from the Jalori top. So after riding in freezing cold and being in the snow, I nothing I could ask for more than would be a hot plate of Rajma Chawal which was yummy and I have no words and it just feels amazing with this chilling wind, with this amazing view and all I can is this lovely yummy plate of food and all I'm gonna do is hog right now. That's it from Niharika. Black boots and bikes for biker radio roadcasts. This is my way. My way. Yes, so Niharika observed how many more women are taken to riding and now this is true and we at Biker Radio Roadcast celebrate it. Well, it's Thankfully, a different world now. I personally feel the world needs women to help heal the mayhem that we've created. And perhaps, you know, the greatest gift that we could ever hope for, for our birthday, was Kamala Harris as the first lady VP of the US. All I can say is, Namastasyai, 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 Namo Namaha. Thanks, Ricky, Anamika. May your engines give you more power and less mileage. Because we kilometers in kilometers. Ha ha ha, bad joke. But time to get back on the long way home. Now with Makara Studios founder, cinematographer, adventure bike rider and knight in shining armor, Sukesh Vishwanath. Whose last ride was with another legendary lady rider, you guessed it right, of India on a motorcycle fame, none other than the gorgeous... Candida Lewis. Hi, I'm Candida Lewis, and this is the long way home. 
the last thing i heard of was uh, you were on a ride with uh, candida just uh, yeah. at the end of the year canada and i have been uh, talking for quite some time uh, to ride together and uh, you know her from way back uh, not really so okay. we, we know each other just through social media okay and when we were doing the south america trip she was doing her australia ride correct so uh, we we were just staying in touch and okay. and in india bike week again she saw the held a small little teaser that we put out of our ride yeah and she was very fascinated by that and mm. then again since then we've been in touch okay and uh, i also sold my triumph street when during the lockdown correct and because uh, primarily because of this south america ride right we, we i got so used to riding taller uh, adventure motorcycles right and this was like pretty much like moving i would say moving from c class mercedes which is what i would relate the triumph street twin to yeah to moving to something like a four, four wheel drive duster which is my ktm 390 adventure right so they just two very different segments of motorcycles and yeah, i'm told just, the, uh, the adventure the uh, ktm 390 adventure is like a power horse uh, built uh, exactly for that purpose yeah for uh, for most of the indian touring i would say it is like the perfect uh, motorcycle mm. it's got the power it's it's quite comfortable mm. and um, recently i was even riding with a friend who was riding a bmw gs 1200 mm. and i was uh, able to keep up with him for the most parts and mm. without really feeling like i'm pushing the bike mm. and it was it's a, it's quite a comfortable bike mm. and uh, I think it kind of fit the right spot for me mm. and I wanted to upgrade to a much bigger motorcycle mm. like a Tiger or an Africa Twin but mm. uh, keeping 2020 in mind I said it uh, it doesn't make sense to have such a big bike to do smaller tours mm. and I had picked up the KTM 390 and she was doing this KTM ride yes and uh, so she was like you already have a KTM and <laughs> it's brand new yeah so why don't you join uh, and I was like uh, I'll be more than happy to join wow and now from uti my parents have moved to mysore right and so karnataka has become home yes but i haven't really explored like much of the interior karnataka and Wonderful. north karnataka and this was a great opportunity and not much much work was happening during that time yeah. because we couldn't uh, do interstate travel yes so whatever was happening in you know, bangalore shoots were happening yeah. some small shoots were happening otherwise i was largely free and this was like the perfect opportunity and just right. uh, went on it and it was incredible right this is amazing i mean uh, you guys were among the first people in the motorcycling community among the first to actually break through from this covid lockdown and say enough let's do this yeah i think so like uh, that way i think the uh, karnataka as a state also opened up much uh before many other states did yeah and uh, at least inside karnataka they they removed all the restrictions and uh, there was no curfew and things all opened up and eased it up for us mm. and the only uh, problem was uh, canada had to get her bike from pune because all the demo units were there the okay. bike had just launched and i had crashed my bike about uh, a week before that trip oh and uh, the entire right side of my bike had broken Oh. so i had to get parts and parts were not available again that had to come in from pune mm. so all of this was happening in the last 2 uh, 3 days huh. before the trip started but huh. somehow things all fell in place and we just left and what was the trip like 
this was supposed to be uh, because of covid uh, it was uh, and the kind of pitch that canada had done mm. was we do day trips oh. and uh, so we, we, uh, we were staying at canada's place in hubli yeah and which is like a good spot to be in yes. and you can just go out for a day trip you mm. can do yallapur come back you can do dandeli come back mm. and we were doing day trips mm. and some places where it was a little further out probably we were staying in camp uh, we, we have we carried our own tents so we were pitching tents or we were staying in some uh, forest guest house in camps or mm. something like that where it, it is not your typical hotel uh, kind of place where more people come in so mm. we were kind of cut off and we were carrying food from home mm. and we were just making chai on the Wonderful. way so it was more we adapted to the covid protocols and still went out to do, uh, went out and travel and lovely photographs and <laughs> you know amazing of course and it was just after monsoon right right so uh, karnataka was just lush green, green. it was just yeah. incredible yeah and even the roads uh, even most of the resorts and uh, places like dandeli uh. if you generally go on a weekend uh. it's going to be really crowded right but uh, now because <laughs> of this covid thing oh, it is all free Ooh. so we were just like moving around just exploring it was uh, one of the best times to be riding a motorcycle okay and it uh, were you there as the visual part of it yeah, or yeah. we so were on two bikes and i was uh, filming the whole thing as well you were yeah so I, again i was carrying my cameras and uh, drones mm. so we just went and we were just photographing and filming the whole thing hi this is mark hawa the founder of the distinguished gentleman's ride and you are listening to the biker radio broadcast broadcast Hi this is Sukesh Vishwanath 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 and you're on the long way But I think uh, of late traveling also I'm figuring out that I really love the filmmaking aspect of things okay. and I like the motorcycling aspect of things mm-hmm. and I'm trying I'm figuring out that I'm I don't want to do it together Okay I want to either ride or I want to film. Correct. I don't want to be doing both of both this of and uh, put half a foot on each. Right. That's one of the reasons why also if you see I've done I keep constantly whether it's a weekend or whatever it is I'm constantly on the motorcycle riding somewhere mm. and I don't even carry a GoPro with me. Mm. I I just don't film yeah. my own rides. Right. Like Let's uh, internalize this. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's n- not for I'm I don't ride for social media I'm not riding for somebody else it is that uh, I think that's the absolute me time that I get mm. and one of the primary reasons why I'm quite a spirited rider I would say is also that uh, for a lot of people it's the other way around when where they ride slow and take it as a meditation and they're thinking about multiple different things mm. for me i'm always thinking about so many different things and when i'm on the bike i don't want to think about anything else so mm. i want to be absolutely focused on my ride mm. and sit on the bike and just be yourself in that moment and that's one of the reason i i don't take much pictures i don't take uh, record my videos and i don't want to be distracted from the ride and the ride itself is incredible and i like to see the landscape in a blur and i would love that but sukesh if you had the opportunity to ride with anyone from history or from imagination from contemporary times or from you know whenever 
would there be anyone you would like to ride with and if so why maybe the next trip that i go and uh, just adventure into something that now now that my dad's retired i would like to take him on a ride you know for sure like just thinking about it on a motorcycle i would like to take my dad on a ride or if i'm going on a car i would like to take my mom because uh, although i've been traveling the lengths and breadths of the country and different parts of the world uh, they've only been seeing pictures and photographs and uh, listening to my stories you know and uh, to be honest i re- just thinking of it now that you put this question and i've never had this thought in my head before now i think i would like to take them on an adventure like this and show them this is what my life has been and give them like a sense of taste of what it's it uh, what i've been going through and what it has been i definitely would like to take them on a ride like this i would expect wow fantastic i'm mark wells and you're currently listening to the biker radio podcast Hi this is Sukesh Vishwanath and you're on the long way home I think of long distance traveling as kind of romantic yet deeply poignant on one hand the wide open highways meeting new people seeing new places the kind of freedom from the fritters that die down most of us on the other hand a life without roots no sense of family traveling all over yes but constrained on two wheels You think bikers traveling like this would know this vast open lands more than any of us do but they spend most of their time traveling in a moving cocoon always on the move yes but perennially trapped for a biker the journey is the destination and it could be either a bug or a feature wow when i read this i was like yes 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 it is also that when you're in such a long distance trip mm you need to be a rohit subramanyam <laughs> i th- i think if you have to live like that you have to be like rohit subramanyam yeah like absolutely nothing matters right mm. but uh, f- for me uh, to get a little personal which i haven't really spoken about anywhere so far on is also that uh, from a 3 month trip mm it moved on to being a 6 month journey mm. and uh, it was also no network i didn't have a sim card and wherever we got wifi that's that was only time to connect and uh, when i came back i was super excited to come back like uh, i said okay this is done in a nice way we kind of parted then uh, still dreaming of the trip uh, still dry, uh, the entire thing is going on and i come in and then i'm back in the country and i had to go through a breakup and that was like a a switch right and this yeah. was something that i did not expect in right. the remote remotest of my thoughts right so that's one of the reason when um, it says like traveling this long distance travel is kind of romantic yet deeply poignant yes that line kind of really fits this bill yes like you've come back to looking for something and you kind of lost it all of sorts and that is the poignant part and which not too many people talk about when it comes to just going out there and having this kind of freedom and it's also very subjective i would say 
most of the times you're trying to uh whatever you're creating there like uh, whatever pictures you're taking whatever videos you're making is to uh, primarily to share with your loved ones back home right and when you come back and you don't have that then it kind of feels a little meaningless of the whole thing so that is also one side of the story not to be true. very uh but that's, but that's what truth. it is that is the truth have you been able to set it free yeah i guess so you had to like it's not always uh, going to be rainbows and butterflies and it, there are going to be hardships you're going to definitely fall down and there are a lot of things that you learn from biking as well where uh you fall down you pick up and just ride again like uh, you can't just sit there and sulk because you broke a brake lever or broken arm or whatever if you have to move on and reach wherever you have to go then you have to go and that's what it is sukesh vishwanath thank you so much for that poignant moment for that long conversation i wish you all the best the road ahead thank and, you so much and uh, i'm so glad that you've been able to set yourself free it is great like i i've been absolutely loving whatever has been happening now and uh, i'm just going with the flow and that's all one needs to do that's the only way to be yes <laughs> i i i'm also i think a kind of person who just doesn't open up and talk in general and uh, today things have been coming out and, and which is good i would say it's yeah. great i've been liking this loving it thank you for that thank you very much for yeah. that set from the studios of Biker Radio Broadcast produced by Soundboard Media I'm Shandy and it's time to thank everybody who made this possible Sukesh Vishwanath for keeping your promise and making time between shoots for this gem to Vikram Dhawan for bailing me out with joy and Amika Joseph for connecting me to Ricky to Binil Joshua and Sharik for trying Samrat Som for keeping the faith you for sending us the birthday wishes for helping me connect the dots and reach out to many many more riders well biker radio broadcast will be back again with episode number 63 till then listen connect ride on Well, better sweet and little sour. I'm Shandy and thank you once again for spending over 30 minutes beyond the hour. Be good and if you can't be good, be careful.